0: Park Valley Church's Sermon of the Week. It doesn't matter if you have been a Christ follower for years or new to the Christian faith, you have come to the right place. Listen in as one of our campus pastors shares how to apply biblical truth in a tangible way. As you listen, we pray you have an encounter with Jesus that leads to real and lasting life change. He's not just a light or a kind of light. He is light itself. All light comes from him. At the beginning of time, he created the light to dispel the darkness, to dispel the chaos all over the earth. God is the creator of physical light and the giver of spiritual light, the light that allows us to see the truth. And throughout the Bible, light has always been a symbol of holiness and goodness, of knowledge and wisdom of grace and of hope. It's also a symbol of God's revelation. Light signifies God's divine presence and his favor. It also represents salvation and life. And for those that believe, we read in First Thessalonians, it says, for you are all children of the light and we don't belong to the darkness. Believers are all children of the light and we are called to walk in the light. We no longer belong to the darkness and our light needs to shine out to the world so that they can see Jesus in us and believe. We are to be lights that reflect the light, the light of the world. Reflect it to those who are lost in the darkness of sin. You know, Christmas is right around the corner. It's hard to believe, but it's true. And you know, this is a time where we celebrate the coming of the light that shines in the darkness, the light that can never be extinguished, the one who is the true light and who gives light to everyone. Jesus' birth brought a light to this earth that changed history forever. And as we look forward to the celebration of the birth of our Savior, we're going to take the next few weeks to talk about lights and ultimately about the light of the world. So our our focus today is actually going to be in a passage from Matthew chapter 5. And the the longest and most famous sermon that Jesus ever gave starts in Matthew chapter 5. And it ends in Matthew chapter seven. It's the Sermon on the Mount. The, the Sermon on the Mount as a whole is really the, it's the best explanation of what it looks like to live as a follower of Christ, to serve as a member of God's kingdom. In fact, it, it really just kind of spells out the, the major ideals of the Christian life. If you have questions about what it means to live as a Christian, Start by reading Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. The answers are there. You know, two of the the highlights from the Sermon on the Mount are the Lord's Prayer and the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes are really, they're, they're kind of a code of ethics, a code of conduct for all believers. They compare and contrast the kingdom values, the eternal things, with worldly values, the temporal things. And Jesus really de- takes time to describe the different qualities of character and, and um, lifestyle that marks those who walk in the light. And then right after that, Jesus describes the impact and the influence that followers of Christ have in the world. And that's the passage we're going to focus on this morning. It's Matthew 5, verses 13 through 16. It's in your notes. It's on the screen behind me. Um... It says, You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. So Jesus uses two metaphors to help, to help his listeners then and his readers now understand how we are all called to interact with the world, to be salt and to be light, be salty and be shiny. But he didn't mean the tough, angry, disgruntled kind of salty and he didn't mean the fake looks good on the outside kind of shiny you know, it's important to think about the context and the audience, to keep them in mind when we're talking about what it looks like to be salty and what it looks like to be shiny because today, you know, you think about salt and it's just a cheap spice that you keep next to the pepper maybe something that we should cut back on too much salt But the crowd listening to Jesus, they had different thoughts about salt. You know, salt was an important commodity in the the first century. Part of a a Roman soldier's salary actually included a ration of salt. So those that didn't perform well were not worth their salt. It's not an expression we use very often anymore, but that's where it came from. Soldiers aren't worth their salt. But beyond that, those listening really would have thought about salt and two basic functions. The first was that salt, and it was and and still is, a flavor enhancer. Salt naturally enhances the taste, uh, our taste by, it basically intensifies certain flavors but diminishes other flavors. It has the unique ability to make sweet things sweeter and bitter things less bitter. One of my my favorite things about the holidays is chocolate bark. Anybody else with me on that? The The you know, it's the dark chocolate, the white chocolate's melted and mixed together. Maybe it's got crushed almonds in it. But what makes, what makes that, I mean, chocolate's amazing by itself, right? But what makes that even better? The little bit of sea salt that they put in it, right? What was awesome before becomes great because the flavor was just enhanced. Now, the the second function of salt is arguably the most important function, at least to the first century, because salt was used as a preservative. We don't use it for this much anymore because we have refrigerators, but they didn't. Refrigerators were like 1,900 years away at that point. So they would use salt to preserve their food, especially meat, which would otherwise spoil very, very quickly. So... When you keep those two things in mind about salt, how are we, as Christians, supposed to be like salt? What, what was Jesus talking about? What did he mean? Well, think about this. Salt tends to stand out when it's used to enhance flavors. Believers can also stand out. We can stand out as those who enhance the flavor of life in this world. If we're living in, in obedience to Christ, if we're modeling the, the lifestyle and the characters and, and the, the characteristics and the qualities that Jesus talked about in the Sermon on the Mount, then we are, we are inevitably going to influence the world around us for good. Because like salt, Jesus also intended for believers to be preservatives to the world. Preserving it from the evil of sin. But also notice that he didn't say he said that we are the salt of the earth, not the salt of the shaker. Salt can't preserve meat if it stays in the shaker. We can't have an influence and an impact that the the impact that Christ intended if the salt stays in the shaker. So I say we need to pass the salt. Look at Mark nine fifty. It says, salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? You must have the qualities of salt among yourselves and live in peace with each other. Salt is an, it's an essential ingredient for life. Everything needs some salt to survive. It is good for seasoning, but Jesus isn't giving us a heavenly recipe or you know, dietary tips here. He's using salt to kind of illustrate the characteristics that should be found in his followers. He's telling us that like salt, we should be making a difference in the flavor of the world we live in. That we should be working to to counteract and to combat the moral decay of our society. Just like salt preserves food from decay. But he also says that we need to have these qualities among ourselves. And live in peace. To be effective, salt has to touch the food that needs it. And in both passages from Matthew and from Mark, Jesus, I I think, also includes a little bit of a warning in there. Because what happens to salt that's lost its flavor? Salt that has lost its flavor has lost its ability to influence and impact salt that has lost its taste is no longer unique it's been overpowered by the flavor or the values of the world of the things around it now i don't think that that's a statement about eternal security but i think instead it's a reminder about our value to the kingdom because salt that doesn't enhance or preserve anymore it isn't effective So it's a reminder that we need to we need to insulate ourselves from the world but not isolate ourselves from the world. The salt has to get out of the shaker. So what does it look like to be the kind of salty that Jesus is talking about? Now, I don't know about you but I'm really good at the other kind of salty. The disgruntled, angry kind of salty. But how can you and I be the kind of salt that enhances and preserves? The answer is really just to live our lives following the example that Christ set for us. Look at Ephesians 5, verses 1-4. through It says, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You know, like a, like a child will imitate their parent, we should imitate our Heavenly Father. And if you don't know how to how to pattern your life after God the Father, all you need to do is take a closer look at God the Son. Imitate God by modeling our lives after Jesus. You know, start by living a life filled with love and by removing those things from our life that, that don't reflect God's presence in us. Dirty jokes Foul language, obscene stories. These things have no place among God's people. Along with sexual immorality and sexual impurity, these are, they're the things of the world. And all of these things are commonplace today. In fact, they're so commonplace that you become abnormal if they don't have place in your life. But salt stands out. You can't adopt a worldly lifestyle and still be salt that enhances and preserves. In the the chapter before, in, in Ephesians four, Paul says, "You were taught to leave your old self. This means you must stop living the evil way you have lived before. That old self gets worse and worse because people are fooled by the evil that they want to do. You must be made new in your hearts and in your thinking." Be that new person who was made to be like God, truly good and pleasing to him. You know, a relationship with Christ means that we are going to change. We can't go on living the way we did before. And that change in our hearts should be reflected in the way we live. It starts in our hearts. It starts with the way we think. And when it makes a change in in our hearts and and how we think, it will change the way we act. The outside will start to match the inside. And that change is what makes us good and pleasing to Him. It's how salt maintains its flavor. It's how it enhances what's around it. Those are the ways that we need to be salt, to imitate the Father. But he said not just to be salt, he also said to be light. We are called to be salt and light. So pass the salt and turn on the light. I know as a dad, I'd say turn off the light more than anything, but this is the light we need to turn on. Turn it on and keep it on. Because like salt, light is also essential to life. Light is even more significant and more powerful because without light, everything dies. Without the light of of the sun, everything would die whether you have salt or not. So when we talk about light and we recognize that God is light, it's it's hard not to see that dual application, the, the physical and the spiritual application of light. I mean, think about this. Without physical light, things will die. Without spiritual light, things will die. Light provides illumination, enabling us to find our way. Light will fill a space, but it will not fill a space that's been closed to it. Light is essential to growth and healing. Light fades the further we move from the source. And light will dispel the darkness, because you know darkness is not the opposite of light; it's the absence of light. Jesus said that we are the light of the world, in Matthew five fourteen that we read earlier. But it's a it's a lowercase l light. Later in John eight twelve he says it, Jesus said that he is the light of the world, capital L light. And when I think about that, what I see is that we are lights, but we are not the source of light. We are a reflection of the light. And light has one job. To shine. So we need to be shiny. We need to turn on our light, and we need to make sure that we don't hide it under a basket. Because there's no call anywhere in the Bible for a secret agent Christian There's no recruiting posters to be a secret agent Christian. We're called to be public with our faith, to serve others, to share it with others. And hiding a light is contradictory to its entire purpose. A hidden light doesn't shine. And we're supposed to be shining. You know, we need to be a light to our family and our friends. We need to be a light at work, at the gym, or at the store. We need to be a light in this culture, and in our community. Because there are so many people that are living in spiritual darkness. And when our light is on a stand, where everyone can see it, people will naturally be drawn to that light. Because light shows people the way. But just like salt isn't any good if it loses its flavor, a light that's been obstructed also loses its effectiveness. And look at Philippians 2. It says, Do everything without complaining and arguing, so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Constant arguing and bickering and complaining really shows a lack of unity. A lack of unity among believers, a lack of unity among the body. And a a light that is troubled with those kind of struggles is a light that starts to lose its shine. Instead, we need to live in a way that makes us a bright light in a dark world. We need to be like lighthouses, pointing the way to safety and peace. You know, lighthouses are a blessing to those sailors out there because a lighthouse knows of the dangers that are out there and it's there to help point you in a safe direction It's it's there to help guide you through that darkness and in Ephesians 5 8 it says for once you were full of darkness but now you have the light of the Lord so live as people of light We can be a lighthouse because we can help others through the darkness because we were saved from the darkness. Now we can be a light reflecting the light to help others. And you can't reflect that light unless you're living in that light. Living like people of light means that we are living a life of love and of obedience to God. First John one, verses six and seven, "So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us all from sin. You can't hold on to the darkness and still live in the light. And John says that that if you say you have fellowship with God, but you keep one foot in the darkness, then you're a liar. It can't be both ways. Because you aren't walking in the light just because you say so with your mouth. You're walking in the light when you show it with your actions. Now, this, this doesn't mean that we are supposed to live without ever sinning. We can't do that. We aren't capable of it. Only Jesus is capable of it. Because only God is light. We are called to walk in the light. And when we walk in God's light, that helps us to see the dirt. It helps us to see the darkness. And it helps us to see that we need to repent and be cleansed. That's what sanctification looks like. That's what That's how we become more and more like Christ. That's how we we find intimacy with the Lord. It's how we spiritually mature. But always remember that light fades the further it gets away from the source. We have to stay close to the source in our heart. We have to stay close to the source in our minds. And when we do, we'll stay close and walk in the light with our actions. So this morning, are you salty? Are you shiny? Are you walking in the light? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? If you're ready to make that complete commitment to the Lord, you can do it this morning. You don't have to burn a turkey to do it. You can do it where you sit just by saying this simple prayer. And just know it's not about the, the prayer. There's no, nothing special about the prayer. It's not about the words. It's about the heart. It's about believing them. You just pray, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I can't save myself. But I believe that you sent Jesus to take my place on that cross. He died for my sins. He was buried, but he rose again. And because he did, I know I have a chance at eternal life. So right now this morning, Lord, I pray that you will forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Let me be a part of your family. And I just thank you. Thank you for loving me. And Jesus, thank you for taking my place on that cross. If you prayed that this morning with me, can you just let me know and raise a hand? When you put it up, you can put them down. Thank you. Father God, thank you. Thank you for those hands that went up. Lord, we just thank you for the gift of salvation. We thank you that your plan has always included the redemption, our redemption that was accomplished through the works of your son. We thank you for loving us that much. And Lord, as we go through these coming weeks, please to help us remember that each day is a gift from you. Let us honor you with that day. Let us glorify you with that day. And let us thank you with that day. And we just pray these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. If you accepted Christ, want to accept Christ, or just want to see what Park Valley Church is about, you can email us at info at parkvalleychurch.com. Have a great week and we'll see you next time.